Well, good morning, church. Man, oh man. Man, good morning to all of you who are joining us online. Friends, it is a, another Sunday, and you know what that means, as we can come and worship our awesome God and celebrate life change through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Man, awesome. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, you're new with us today, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church. We love the fact that you are here. We hope that you were made to feel welcome and that you're wanted and that you're willing to join us again next Sunday as we chase this life and what it looks like to live for Jesus Christ. Gang, open your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 1 this morning a little bit. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. We're in this week two of this series called Making Change, um, a series that's geared to change us and maybe how we think, and change is actually how we live in an area in our life that many of us feel very uncomfortable talking about. It's a series that to equip us, each and every one of us, regardless of our age or occupation, to think differently, to, to feel the freedom that we can have, and again, an area that our country truly struggles with. And that's the area of finances and wealth and possessions. I shared last week that I think our country has a twisted idea on reality when it comes to wealth and finances and possessions in our lives. Every day, from multiple directions, we get bombarded with information that I believe is a lie. We look at it in on our commercials. We see it in TV ads and social media. We get mail in, in you know, the actual junk mail. that come in and say, you need to buy this or go buy this car because it's a great percentage rate you can get right now. All this stuff is coming at us. It's on the billboards. You know, it's all in front of us. And I think it's, it's a lie. And the, and the lie is very, very simple. It says, the best life... It consists of wealth and abundance of possessions. The best life consists of wealth and abundance of possessions. That is the lie that you and I are facing every single day. That is the lie that our country is surrounded in and pushing at us from every single direction because they're marketing for it. They're pushing it in our faces, in our lives, and unfortunately, we're buying into the lie. And so what we want to do in this series, we want to walk this lie back to right where it belongs, Right? We want to walk it right back where it belongs. We want to pick up the good book, which is God's book, and start discovering what he has to say about wealth and finances. We want to discover his principles, how he's called us to live as his children, and then make a choice to start living it out. Why? Because God has our best life in mind. Right? The world is all about your dollar. The word is all about your best life in Jesus Christ. And so that's where we're going in this series. And we kicked this whole thing off last week, and I stepped on a whole bunch of toes. I don't know how many conversations I had after service about how this idea less is more, right? That we need to cut back and, and spend less. And we don't pay attention to what we're spending because it's so easy just to spend. And then I said we need to get rid of stuff. We have all the stuff. And I showed you about in our storage unit all the stuff that we had, and I was trying to sell you some of it. Thank you for not taking up on it. I appreciate that. Now I have to find some way to get rid of it. Um, but we have all this stuff. And how do we, we need to cut back and, and clear out? And I had so many conversations after service with guys saying, listen, you had me until you mentioned gun collection, right? <laughs> like, don't mess with my guns. You know, so we, that's one idea. We need less in our lives. We could, what matters less and what doesn't make a difference so we can experience more for what God has for us. Because a lot of times our stuff is just holding us back. 
And today we're going to get this idea about financial stress. Financial stress. So I'm going to use you this morning. I hope you don't mind. I'm going to do a little research. Let me just ask, how many of here have been worried or stressed about money before in their lives? Okay. All right. How many here have received a bill in a mail that you had no clue how you were going to pay? Mm-hmm. You see where this is going. How many here have been in an argument with your spouse about the dollars in your home? Right? Hey, oh, sorry, dear. Is that too personal? <laughs> All right. How many here wanted to buy something? I wanted, I needed it, but you didn't have the money to do so. Yeah. So that's pretty much all of us, folks. If you didn't raise your hand, we'll have a conversation later. It's pretty much all of us. Stress is bad. Yes? Say that with me. Stress is bad. Let's say it again. Stress is bad. Now, one more time. Say it like you mean it, folks. Ready? Stress is bad. Yes. And nothing brings more stress than financial debt. For reals, think about this. No one has ever said, my life was full of problems and then I found debt and everything was just peachy keen. No one's ever said that. No one's ever, I never heard anyone say that my my debt saved my marriage. In fact, the more debt we have, the better my marriage is. Come on, really? I've never heard say, listen, I'm going to bed and I'm going to thank God for my debt. Dear Jesus, thank you for all the debt that I'm drowning in tomorrow morning when I wake up. No one has ever done that. It's crazy. But for some reason, the average American is in debt. And many Americans are in debt up to their eyeballs. Studies show that 80% of Americans are caught up in the chains of debt. And I'm using chains on purpose. That's because over 80% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And they use debt when it comes to emergencies or something they think they need to have. It's no big deal. We'll just buy it. I want you to do something this week. Maybe, maybe as you leave this morning, because of what I just shared, 80%, that means when you leave today, I want you to count 10 people. Eight of them are in debt. Now, don't point at people. <laughs> Be kind. Like you, you're in debt. <laughs> don't do that. But just look. Let's, let's be the reality. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's right there. Eight of them are in debt. Now, I have no idea. I'm just counting. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to call you out. Isn't that crazy? One poor read said Americans, the average American is in debt up to $90,000. There's a problem with this, isn't there? Look at this. Here's some numbers I want to throw at you. Look at this. Gen Z. Share this if you would. Gen Z. 18 to 23, they said the average Gen Zer is $16,000 in debt. 18 years old and you have 16 grand you owe someone else. What are you doing? What about millennials? We always pick on millennials. 24 through 39, I don't know why we pick millennials, we just do. $87,000 in debt. Just starting out in life as adulting. 
Gen X, this is my generation, we have a problem. Let me just throw that out there. $140,000 in debt. Baby boomers, 56 to 74, $97,000 in debt. Look at this last one. This, this crushes me. The silent generation, 75 and above, have $41,000 in debt. What is our country doing to us? What is the lie that we have brought in to think that what we don't have matters most? Do you know what debt is? Debt is very, very simple. Debt is spending more than you have. Imagine that. Spending more than you have. That is debt. You have this amount of money and you go spend this amount of money and it doesn't balance out. So what do you do? You borrow from someone. You put it on a credit card. It's crazy. And the problem of all this is too many of us are unaware what debt does to us, how it impacts our lives. Because we have come to believe that debt is a natural thing. We obviously believe that debt is an American thing, right? But you have to see what God says about debt. And when I read this verse, it's going to be pretty mind-blowing for some of us in this room because I don't want to be there. Look at this. Proverbs 22, verse 7 says this. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. The borrower is a slave to the lender. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a slave to anyone except for Jesus Christ and for his kingdom purposes. But that's exactly what we do when we borrow. We put ourselves under the power of the lender. How many times have you seen, have you seen credit card things come to mail or credit calling you saying you owe? Chasing you down. Chasing you down and you feel the stress. See, just a couple months ago, I was out in a restaurant and I met, a, met someone and I came to understanding that they and their spouse were working two jobs, each. Two full-time jobs. Why? To pay for the house that they purchased. They were, <laughs> they were working all this time, making all this money to pay a house that they were never in. And that's what the world is trying to sell you, friends. So what I want to do this morning, I want to step back and look at this from ancient Israel perspective. Because sometimes our American dream, our American way gets, gets a little fuzzy about when it comes to debt. But I think when you look back at Israel, how they looked at debt, it would be pretty eye-opening for the rest of us in this room. Look at this at 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. We're looking at, uh, we're looking at a, a guy who passed away and his woman was uh, left with debt and she reached out to the prophet Elisha for help. It says, the wife of a man from a company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his what? Oh my. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said to her, go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. 
Then go inside and shut the door behind you and you and your sons. Pour the oil into the jars. As each is filled, put it, put it to the one aside. And then she left him and she shut the door behind her sons and they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When the jars were full, in verse six, she, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, they, there's no jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing at that moment. Then she went and told the man of God what he said. He said, go sell the oil to pay for your what? Okay, there we go. And you and your sons can lift on what, live on what is left. She was in debt. And she was about to lose her sons as slaves because of their debts. But God provided a way out. And that is awesome how awesome our God is. Looking for the best, of his, his best for his people. And let me just share with you right here, right now, that God still provides a way out of debt for every single one of us. It may look nothing like oil in jars, okay? You might not go home and I pour it out and keep on pouring. It may nothing like that. But his plan, he can walk us out, still has his redemptive power in our lives. See, too many people have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ and they're still held captive because of what they do with their finances. And God is saying to every single one of us, listen, if you want life to the full in Jesus, maybe it's time to st- we stop living like economic atheists and let God walk us through what it looks like to get out of debt. Because we are in chains, in slavery, when we're in debt. So whether you're in simple debt this morning, or you are over your head enslaved, or you're thinking about stepping into debt, I want to give you three simple pleas to ask God before you step forward or how to find a way out. And the first plea is this, God Give me an understanding. God, give me an understanding. Look at Proverbs 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, My son, if you accept my words and store my commands within you, turn your ears to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Church, if you want wisdom, do you want financial wisdom, then it's time for us to lean in and learn and listen. Turn our ears to what is being shared. Now, you'll see me out there. Uh, my wife tells me my, hear, my hearing is going away. But sometimes I'll be having a conversation with you, and I'll do this. I'll turn my ear, and I'll lean in. Why? Well, one, I can't hear you, right? <laughs> Two is what you're saying is important to me. And if you're talking with me, I want to hear what you're actually saying. Not just sit there and go, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Now, I want to hear it. It's important. And that's what he's talking about. And that's what God is saying to every single one of us. If we want wisdom, when it comes to financial debt and get out of debt, maybe we just need to lean in and listen from the one who loves us the most. Stop putting our AirPods in our ears and playing our own playlist in our lives and doing what we want to do and leaving out the wisdom that God has right in front of us. There's a joke going around on staff right now about these AirPods. Annie does not like, she is right back there. I hate those things. Why? Because we put them in our ears and we're working and we can't hear a thing around us. I'm in my office 
And Annie has to come in and just start waving and kicking her arms like this just so she can get my attention, right? I'm so zeroed in and focused that I don't know what's going on around me. I can't hear anybody, anybody around me. That's what it's like when it comes to financial wisdom. We've become so, so focused on what the world has been selling us for so long. What, what is the American way of doing things? That when wisdom actually presents itself, we have our AirPods in. We don't pay attention. We're not leaning in and listen. And when we get that way, we do one of two things. The first thing we do is we continue to move on and we go forward and do what we always want to do, right? We're not listening to nobody else to listen, so we choose to do what we've always done. And let me just share with you, that's like the greatest illustration of insanity, right? To do something over and over again the same way and expect different results, Right? If we want to do, get, out, get out of debt, we've got to do something different. We don't continue doing our own wisdom. It's our own wisdom that got us in this place in the first place, right? Well, then the other thing that we do is we look in the mirror and we're ashamed of our position. We find, we're ashamed of where we find ourselves and our pride stops us from asking for help. We would rather continue to wear the chains of financial slavery than reach out and ask for help and break free. Let me just share with you this morning. If shame is where you're sitting, it doesn't stand a chance when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, all right? It does not belong. There's no place for it in your life because the yoke of Jesus leading is light, not condemning. And if you're walking through life with a condemning voice in your ear, let me just tell you that comes from the pit of hell, not from the Holy One of Heaven. Shame doesn't belong with you walking with Jesus. Jesus came to set you free and that's including your finances and finding freedom through him, in him and through him. You're not alone. Friends, you may think you're sitting here right now in this room thinking you're all alone. There are people who have walked through what you're in right now. There are people who are walking through what you're in right now. We just need to lean in and listen and hear what God is saying. If we want wisdom and understanding to break free, stress is bad. Financial stress stinks. So that's why we offer so many tools as a church. We offer Financial Peace University to walk through what it looks to get out of debt, to snowball debt and get out of debt and find and experience the freedom from it. That's why we offer uh, financial counseling as a staff and elders looking, if you want help, you're looking for help, let's sit down and talk about it with you. Because we want to push back the lie that the world is selling you and expose you to the truth of what God has for you. God, please show me understanding. The second plea is this. God, give me self-control. Give me self-control. Proverbs 25, verse 28, it says, Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. This proverb was written almost 3,000 years ago. But back in their day, there wasn't airplanes or artillery or anything like that. The best defense anyone could ask for was a good wall. You could have forces 10 times stronger than, and a wall could keep you out for years. Friends, you don't have to be smarter 
or more educated or stronger or bigger or richer or well-connected financially to succeed. All we need is self-control. And self-control is a wall for personal finances. And when we lack self-control, we leave ourselves wide open for the attack. And many times we lose or we walk away greatly wounded. Dave Ramsey says this, personal finance is 20% knowledge and 80% behavior. 80% behavior. And of all the three points I'm going to share this morning, this is the only one with an exclamation point by it. Because it's the only one we struggle with the most. Self-control. If we want financial freedom in life, we need to do something different. We need to be something different. It means we have to make different choices to live a different way. Is it hard? Absolutely. Is it hard not to get like, oh, I really want that, but you know what? I can't afford it. I'm going to go in debt if I get it. Is it hard? Sure. Is it hard to, to balance yourself, to get out of debt? Absolutely. But if you want to experience freedom, you must go through the hardship and fighting through what's worth, what it's worth or not. You have to make that decision. Is it worth it to experience the freedom? If so, it takes financial control. We are a nation of impulse buying. Did you know that? We are a nation for impulse buying. Go to any store, especially grocery stores, Walmart, whatever. You want to go there. What do they have in front of every single register? Racks upon racks of stuff for you just to buy because you think that you need it. Or you got your kids there and like, mom, dad, I need this, I need, I need all that candy. I need these new earbuds, batteries, lighters, whatever. And you just keep on throwing it all in. And you don't think of it. They bank on us not being strong. They bank on us not having self-control. That we need to buy all this stuff. Black Friday is just around the corner. Oh, snap. All those ads, if you get a newspaper, they're all in there. Look at this great deal. We're opening at 6 o'clock on Thursday night so you can come and spend all your money. Self-control. It's so easy. They'll swipe the credit card, isn't it? Zing, zing. Swipe, swipe. Zing, zing. There's this movie. It's called You Got Mail. Has anybody ever seen that? Okay, good. I was worried my man card was going to go right out the window. <laughs> There's a part where Meg Ryan goes in to pay for some stuff, and she gets in line and says cash only, and she pulls out a credit card. And the cashier, her name is Rose, and she's like looking at Meg Ryan like, what are you doing? Can't you read the sign? And Tom Hanks comes in and saves the day, and he says, Rose. Oh, what a pretty name, Rose. Couldn't you just swipe the card? Zip, 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 zip. Yeah, so that's what it's like. We take that credit card and we don't pay attention. Self-control. It's going right out the window because we can easily go zip, 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 zip. It's all right. We'll buy now and worry about paying for it later. Bart and I were discussing it this week. We came to this understanding together, both agree that self-control and debt go hand in hand. And a way out starts with a spending plan. 
getting our lives on a budget. And that leaves it a last plea. Lord, give me understanding. God, give me self-control. And the last plea is this. God, give me a plan. God, give me a plan. Proverbs 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. We need to have a plan. Many times in our lives, debt can become debilitating, demoralizing, and we feel defeated, and so we do nothing. No plan leads to poverty, enslavement to the lender. God uses Elijah to give the woman a simple plan. Look back at verse 3. Go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you, you and your sons. Pour the oil into the jars. And as each is filled, put it to the side. If you ask me, that's pretty much a plan. Here, this is what I want you to do. You are in debt. You're going to lose your kids. Here is a simple plan for you to get out. And that needs to be the same for us. If we or want to experience the freedom, financial freedom, get rid of the financial stress, we need to have a plan. We need to have a plan of how we move out of it. How do we move through it? How do we keep away from it? And you know what, friends? I shared that plan last week. Everything we talked about last Sunday is God showing you a plan. Spend less, cut back, and put your home on a budget. It's that simple. Dave Ramsey says this, you can wander into debt, but you cannot wander out. One morning we're going to wake up if we're not paying attention and we're going to be in debt to our eyeballs. But you don't have to go there. You're in this room right now and you're feeling that. You're experiencing, how am I going to make the car payment? How am I going to pay for this bill because I have all these other things? I have a credit card payment. By the way, credit cards, they'll get you. They'll get you. Listen, I'll give you a $5,000 credit and put you at 26% interest, and you can only pay the minimum payment, and you almost double that when you pay it back. Friends, that's that's the way of the world. That's not the way of the word. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're walking through. But I do know what we face. Debt is so stressful. So maybe in your small groups this week, have an honest conversation about where you're at. Find someone to hold you accountable to pull you out. Life is better connected. You can't do life alone. And your small groups talk about, like, what is the plea that you need the most? God, give me understanding. I've been living on my own wisdom. God, give me self-control. I'm zing, 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 zing. Or God, give me the plan. 
as a small group, walk through that and see what you can do together. Maybe it's making a commitment together. But the world is selling you a lie, friends. And I know talking about our money, I know we're talking about our debt is not like a woo-hoo, Jesus thing. But if you ever want to experience the freedom that he has for you fully, it's time to let go of what the world is selling and embrace everything that God says, yes. And that includes our finances, our wealth, and our possessions. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. These conversations, Lord, are not easy. But I know they're needed. Because I, too, have experienced everything the, the lie that the world has sold. And as I read through, Lord, what your word of truth says, I can't help but just proclaim the truth in you. You don't want your church, your people to be slaves, to sin or to debt, but to completely wholly follow you. So God, I pray for this morning as we walk out those doors and embrace the real life, what happens next, that you, Lord, you will give the confidence of those who are sitting here this morning feeling ashamed to step up and reach out and look for help. To commit today to push that back and live for you differently. Lord, I don't know how to fight the world on my own two feet. But I do know how to fight it through your word. And so I pray this morning that your word will fill the hearts of your people and give them the strength and courage to do what they need to do. And right now I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward. And if you're here and you need prayer for this specifically like you're frustrated you're fearful you're stressed it's crushing your marriage it's ruining your home come forward team here up here this morning wants to pray with you they want to pray over you they want to encourage your life if you have other things going on in your life this morning that you just need prayer for come forward Or if you're in this room and you've never said yes to Jesus and you hear me say all the time that Jesus changes everything and maybe it's a simple thing about a debt conversation about what God has for you that you're deciding that today is the day that you're going to give your life to him come forward we want to pray with you and over you and bless you in a way you can only experience the love of Jesus Christ God, thank you. Can I just say, don't give up on our nation. Let your church arise. May the light of your hope of Jesus Christ crush the darkness that's before us. May we continue to reach people with the greatest message that ever has given to mankind, that Jesus saves. And it's in his name I pray.